a second. Yeah, 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 I'm coming. Hold on. Ron? What are you doing here? There's something I need to tell you. Are we alone? Quick, grab anything you can. We gotta go. Is there a back door? They're coming. They're coming. Oh god, they're here. Go. Damn this wicked planet. So I want to welcome once again, Tiana, the truth seeker back onto the wicked planet. What's going on, kid? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Super busy. And I know you're busy. It took, yeah. It took, summers are usually busy with work and uh, a lot of work around the farm and stuff like that. So definitely, definitely been busy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you're a hard one to catch, man, but I, I finally got you nailed down. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, I apologize about that. I've got over 3,000 inbox messages um, that I have not looked at for a month, and uh, I don't know how I'm going to actually catch up to any of that. So, <laughs> Yeah. You know, do you have them separated in your Instagram? Like, mine has different categories. Uh, I do. I've just lost complete track of everything. Um, so many people send me evidence and then they email me. And then on Facebook, um, I'm, I think I'm like 4,000 messages behind um, on there. TikTok, I try and keep up as much as I can, but it's just, it's getting crazier and crazier because people are sending me so much information and they're sending me video footages of everything that's hap- that is happening around hoping that I expose things. Um, but when I do, I get my uh, account uh, restricted. So I have to kind of slow down on the exposing of things as well. So yeah, yeah it's it's hard. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be careful. Uh, which really sucks. Uh, before we get into it, because I wanted to have you come on and talk about the fires up in uh, Yellowknife and uh, the town called Kel- Kelwana. Is that how you pronounce that? Kelowna. Uh, Kelowna. Sorry. Yeah. And, but it's uh, all good. And, and how that uh, that like Lahaina, Hawaii, Maui, is. It was an area that was slated for a 15-minute city, which now just coincidentally has a major fire, right? But we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, there, is, uh, there is a couple of things I wanted you to let us know about uh, other things that are going on in Canada. And the one thing that I wanted to talk about is uh, what is this deal where the Canadian government is not allowing people to view news on social media. Could you kind of set the record straight on that and kind of explain exactly what's going on? Yeah, so I did a video on Bill C-11, and we called it the Restriction Act. The government called it the Pro-Canadian Act. So what they wanted to do was push basically pro-Canadian content. 
And then they told Meta, which is Facebook and Instagram, um, that they will have to pay in order for us to see the news. So, of course, Meta and, um, well, Facebook and Instagram, Meta was like, no, absolutely not. Like, who do you guys think you are? Like, we're a small business, and if you want to make news and make money off of on our platform, then you're more than welcome to. So right now, Meta is pretty much telling the Canadian government that they can suck it, that they're not paying for anything. And the Canadian government is too stupid to realize that they're actually doing themselves a disservice because right now we don't have any access to any news source on Meta platforms. So I don't know how they're thinking about doing another pandemic when their number one source for propaganda won't be shown on the two largest platforms used in Canada. So basically Justin Trudeau right now is playing dictatorship with a large corporation that has a lot more money and more power than Justin Trudeau ever uh, could have. And basically his Bill C-11 is firing, it's backfiring on him. And he's too stupid to realize it. Um, So basically that's where we're at is our country's being run by a clown moron who doesn't really understand what's going on in the world. And he, his ego is super inflated and Meta isn't backing off. And I think Meta is doing a good job with not backing off. Yeah. So if he doesn't want like his propaganda getting into Canadians' heads, I think this is actually a pretty good thing that's happened to Canadians. I mean, we don't have any news source for the fires or for what's going on right now on social platforms, except for maybe um, TikTok and Twitter. But other than that, um, the propaganda machine has slowed down quite a bit in Canada because of Justin Trudeau's ego. So it backfired on him. We can't see the news, but it's honestly helping because the news is trash here in Canada anyway. It's owned by the government. All of our news stations are 100% owned by the government. We do not have any independent news stations except for Rebel and a few other ones that have popped up during the pandemic. So it's, it's kind of like he pretty much, I don't know, did his own, like, I don't know, Justin Trudeau was an idiot like that's all i've got to say to that (laughs) and the people following around saying that this is facebook and meta's fault um don't really understand how the world or anything pretty much works okay so rebel news that's a really good news outlet that's is that canadian based uh, it is Canadian-based, and they're an independent um, news source, but they are not allowed. They've been pretty much kicked out of every conference um, that Justin Trudeau holds. He won't let them in. So he only holds uh, lets in um, his news sources, which is CBC, City TV News, and they're all paid by our tax money. So we're basically paying the news to lie to us, and we want them gone. We want independent news sources instead of, like, a government propaganda machine that we're paying for with our tax money. If it weren't for our tax money, they would be broke. They get ba- they barely get any views. Like I get more views on my videos than any of them combined, and that's pretty sad. That's how sick and tired Canadians are of pretty much the whole Justin Trudeau regime that has been happening in Canada for the last eight years. Yeah. So so Rebel News. I remember I discovered them during the trucker convoy thing in Ottawa. Yeah. It, but I remember even back then they were shutting them down and not letting them get any information out about that right and that was the first time we actually saw what uh, justin trudeau was capable of doing as far as putting a squash to things right because that was totally peaceful totally peaceful and then and then he turns around and he goes after their likelihood he shuts down their bank accounts he rerouted all their gofundme uh projects you know not just gofundme but other ones and it just kind of really showed his his real thought process on how he was going to deal with any type of 
protest. And that's all it was, was a protest. It wasn't an insurrection. It wasn't an uprising. It wasn't anything like that. The Canadian truckers weren't doing anything that warranted his reaction. But now, since he's had that reaction, now the whole rest of the country has to know what's going to happen or what he can do, even taking it a step further. Now, it's interesting that they call it the uh, Pro-Canadian Act, very similar to what our Patriot Act was called here, because it's, me- it's meant to sound patriotic, right? <laughs> so if you hear something exactly. that says Pro-Canada, well, that's going to sound patriotic. But essentially what it is is you're going to get your news from Canada, you're not going to get it from outside sources, and you're not going to be able to get it on social media. Now, exactly. Now, yeah. So, and I guess I would, I, I could think that their whole idea on this is that the Canadian government, as you say, they own these news agencies, right? They're going to be able to push their narrative without anybody coming in from alternative sources and saying, nah, that's kind of not really what's going on. What's really going on is XYZ, not ABC, what they're telling you out of Ottawa. And it, and it has to it, it has to be backfiring on him, but I don't see him budging. If anything, I see him doubling down, because as you say, he's just either not too bright, or there's somebody a few levels up from him that is actually running the show. Same idea as what we got going on here in the United States with Joe Biden, because I don't think anybody has any doubt that Joe Biden yeah. is not in control. I mean, oh. just simply, simply not in control. So what are some of the things that the Canadians are doing to fight back against this Restrict Act? So basically, Justin Trudeau is definitely not the one running the show. I mean, the guy has the IQ of basically a shoe size, and I'm pretty sure they're a size eight, considering he sits like a girl and there's nothing in the way. So basically, Justin Trudeau is not the one running the show. There's definitely somebody above him, but he is the dumbest um, puppet that the elites have on their um, agenda because he did block um, the accounts of many Canadians. And it actually turned out that that blocking woke up a lot more Canadians than it should have. And they pretty much expose themselves for who they are. So right now what Canadians are doing is we are using VPN and Yandex because I can't look at um, news even in the States. I do not get any U.S. news. I have to use VPN and I have to use a Russian-based um, Google search, like a uh, Russian-based search engine called Yandex in order to get international news. Um, and right now what's happening is basically everyone's connecting with each other, like from the States, from Europe, and we're sending um screenshots of news articles and links um, and then we're sending it amongst each other in messenger um, apps that everybody's got going on so the way that's circulating is pretty much now underground which is helping our movement because then the government can't monitor what we say and what we think out in the open and it also kind of works against them because then the government has no idea what we're actually thinking and they can't really prepare for how to psyops us more into the agendas that they want us to go into so basically I mean I've been watching this entire kind of shit show for the last three years and even years before that where they started to restrict free speech online not realizing 
realizing that that those restrictions are feeding even more of the conspiracy theories, conspiracy theories in uh, quotations, um, and basically it's fueling the entire narrative um, that they aren't for us, such as the government, and the, and the government's actually losing followers in the sense of the way. So I'm starting to think that the elites actually might be just the dumbest like mofos out there i mean i I think they need some help with um getting the chaos under their control because the chaos seems to be not in their control right now and i know that their whole motto is order out of chaos but um i don't know how they're going to control this chaos this seems like an uncontrolled burn (laughs) all right let me ask you something so so say say somebody from the united states like myself for instance yeah. Where to forward you something on an Instagram post or a Facebook post or something like that, would that would be blocked on your end? You wouldn't be able to access that direct message? No, I can. I can di- directly access my, um, through my messenger. So they can't really go into our messenger to control what we see in there. Um, and that's where they're losing ground. And then also the propaganda machine hasn't been on um, Facebook or Instagram. They're kind of hoping that those of us with um, followers push their agendas. And I refuse to actually do news um, paper things anymore just because of that, because I want to silence the propaganda machine. And I hope that anybody watching as well does not push any sort of news narratives on social media to not help the news out, um, to not spread their propaganda and their agenda that they want. All right. Let me, uh, let me ask you something. Uh, you know, just quickly before we get into the other subjects we wanted to touch on. <laughs> We're seeing a lot of posts going around now where, you know, Alex Jones had uh, reported that there was a TSA leak where they're saying that the government is getting ready to start pushing the lockdown masking agenda, the whole thing, COVID 2.0 uh, coming up for mid-September, in, uh, beginning of October. Have you have you heard anything about that? Because we've actually been seeing posts with screenshots from government agencies purchasing PPE to, to get ready. And the dates on these invoices, if the invoices are legit, of course, we're not sure, are yeah. all like from last week. So it just seems very interesting because we've been saying right along, you know, the first agenda didn't go quite as planned, although they were able to get people to take the juice, as we say. And a lot of people have suffered with different types of uh, what they're calling now super cancers, myocarditis, blood clotting, heart attacks, all kinds of things like that. You know, we don't even really have the actual numbers on that. But, uh, but we know it's substantial, right? So, so anyways, but we got past that. And then we went through that whole crazy election cycle. You know, the, the you know whether you believe the election was stolen or not, it, you know, is irrelevant. We still had to go through that. Now we're going through this whole thing where Trump's being indicted every week. Uh, I understand that he's going to be getting indicted uh, next week for removing the tag off of one of his mattresses, and and he's going to be getting indicted for not rewinding a video cassette that he rented at. Uh, uh, blockbuster like 20 years ago so okay so we have all these distractions that are going on right yeah. so now of course now they're pushing the fires they're pushing the climate change they're pushing this whole boy look at look at what climate change is doing it's burning all these cities down you know they're pushing that narrative now so to come to, now to hit that with a double whammy 
Now we think they're going to come back with the COVID lockdowns 2.0. Are you hearing anything about that up, up where you are in Alberta, Canada? I am. Um, and it basically started with the Alex Jones thing. Now, I know Alex Jones knows his stuff. Like that guy, I've, I've followed Alex Jones for many years, um, but I also know Alex Jones is one of them. Like he's a Bilderberg. He is part of a Freemason group, um, a very high end one. That's how he knows everything. So what people need to unpack first is who is Alex Jones? He's a Judas goat. So basically you have to understand that eventually he will give you all the truths, but then eventually he'll lead you astray. So he's the one that started this. And then pretty much people have been picking up on that. We are going to have another lockdown and I'm starting to think that maybe the government, and this is only my own theory is that the government is trying to distract us from the fires that are happening because they're losing the narrative so bad on these fires um, that they want to bring in another distraction. There's nowhere we're going through another lockdown again. Um, I have doctors, nurses who are sending me testimony to try and get their word out about all of the injuries. The amount of injuries is so high from these vaccines, but people don't want to talk about them because they're too ashamed to actually say that they were um, duped. Well, fooled pretty much, you know. And so I don't think anyone's going along with another lockdown. And if they do, the government's going to lose serious control, like serious control this time um, if they do, because people aren't going to have it anymore. Like no one's going to listen to any sort of authority figure um, this time. If they do, they might have like 15% of the population that does, but they're going to be overwhelmed by those who are pissed that they were injured and those who are pissed that they lost money businesses. Um, And it's not going to be a fight between, you know, us versus like each other. But um, I think the fight will then be brought to literally their steps, like the elite steps, if they do another lockdown. So I think that's just a major distraction just because of I know who Alex Jones is. I mean, I listen to the guy just because he has some like really, really good information because, of course, he is an insider. Um, But you also have to understand he also has his ulterior motive of what narrative to push and where to get it into. And I just find it really interesting that during a time where they're losing the narrative on there that Alex Jones comes in and says that the TSA members are going to find out that there's going to be a lockdown. First of all, TSA is like bottom of the bottom, like freaking McDonald's workers when it comes to any sort of security clearance. So there's no way a TSA officer would have said shit. So, I mean, that's just my personal opinion, but I don't know. I think it's just a giant distraction to get us um, not talking about the fires and what's really going on because they're losing the narrative so bad with Hawaii. Yeah, do you think... Uh, do you think we're going to see, you know how a majority of the people kind of went along with that narrative in the beginning of COVID, you know, and, and I think that percentage was pretty high, but as, you know, a couple of months went past, you know, you got past the two weeks to, uh, what was it, to uh, stop the spread or uh, straighten the curve, whatever they called it, flatten the curve. Um, you know, people like us, we were starting to catch on to the whole thing like, yeah, this don't smell right. Now, do you think that the people back then that were on board for all the mandates and, and, and complying with the government, how, what is the percentage, do you think, of those people that now, when they're going to do it a second time, they're actually going to agree with us people? And they're going to go along with, and they're going to join the fight with us because even though they have a hard time admitting that they got duped, I think there comes a point where you've got to just sit down and say, Okay, I bought it hook, line, and sinker. 
Fool me once, shame on me. Uh, no, excuse me. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. People are going to figure out that we're being lied to. And a certain percentage of the people that were on board for all this stuff last time probably won't be this time. What are your thoughts on that? So my thoughts with everything that I've seen is you have the 15% who are totally asleep that will go like uh, along with the government and like no matter what. Um, and those 15% are still pretty much sturdy and steady um, this time around. However, last time what they did and why it was so successful is they t- took the 15 to 20% of us who are awake and they completely cut us out of society, leaving the sheep um, who pretty much just kind of sway towards whichever side is loudest because they don't want to, they don't really want to rock the boat too much, the sheep. But now you have a huge percentage of people that have been vaccine injured that aren't coming forward that I know will be on our side. And this time they can't really like silence all of us who are awake and who have been speaking out. So right now you're going to see a huge shift with the sheep going towards our side because the sheep don't like being inconvenienced out of their matrix. Um, they just kind of like going, you know, eating, shitting, sleeping, working, and then trying to impress people that don't give a crap about them. That's their entire life. And if they can't do that again, they're going to go wild and frothy at the mouth. So I don't think this is going to work out in the government's favor if they do another lockdown. And I don't think that they can push vaccines anymore because I've been talking to doctors and pharmacists and they're even like telling people who are coming in getting their boosters, like, what are you doing? Why do you keep doing this to yourself? You know what I mean? People are telling me that they can't find pharmacies to get boosters, that they have to drive like to three or four pharmacies to see who's actually going to give them boosters. Like, and these people aren't cluing in like these NPCs, they're not cluing in. So the only ones that they're going to have on their side are 15% NPCs. The rest of us aren't going to be budging. They maybe have like maybe 10, 15% of the population that will kind of go along with it, but they're not getting vaccinated again. Um, And the louder we are, those of us who are awake, um, this lockdown won't even last a day. So I mean, they can try, but I think it's just a distraction to the narrative that they're losing with the fires and the global warming garbage. Yeah, you know, do you have, when is Trudeau up for election again? Um, I believe in 2025, but we're hoping that he calls an election earlier. And if the elites were even remotely smarter than Justin Trudeau, which I'm highly doubting, they would switch him out for another of their puppets. Like, just to calm the people down and to gain trust back. But it seems like they don't want to do that. <laughs> they, they, like, want to soil themselves even more. Because I'm looking at France, like, with Macaroni, that grandma and his grandma lady there. And it's, like, they've pushed it way, way, way too far. And I think they're trying to kind of grab control back, but it's not really working. But um, a lot of people are saying that if Justin Trudeau gets in um, even remotely another time, that they're pretty much leaving Canada because it's it's a dying ship under Justin Trudeau. You know, uh, I just find it interesting that if they are going to pull the lockdowns 2.0, it is going to coincide with the United States election cycle, which, which is what they did last time, right? So, yeah. I, mean, I mean, people forget that this started in 2020, and when we're coming yeah. up, we're, we're over halfway through 2023 here. So we've been dealing with this, you know, for a long time. It was, and we start to see the kind of game plan, right? Like, like now, uh, you know, in the state of New Hampshire, where I am, where politics is a, is a contact sport, <laughs> all these people that are running have already been to New Hampshire. Ron DeSantis was here like a week or so ago, you know, oh, and wow. I mean, it was a big deal. Trump's been here a few times. And then Nikki Haley's been here. 
I think, uh, is it Tim Scott? Anyways, they've all been to New Hampshire already because they're going to focus on New Hampshire and they're going to focus on Iowa. Those are the first two states that actually vote. Iowa has caucuses. New Hampshire actually has a primary, right? So where where people just go and vote. And it just seems that, okay, so now they they can no longer hide the fact that Biden's compromised. They can't hide the fact that he's taking bribes from countries all over the world. They can't hide the fact that he's in cahoots with his son, uh, Hunter, doing all the things they're doing. I mean, they have the evidence, but just like the election, they had all the evidence for that, too, and that went nowhere. And, and, and my, uh, my whole view on it is that, well, they're not going to go after themselves. They're not going to investigate themselves, and they're definitely not going to prosecute themselves. But they have no problem going after Trump or any other political opponent that goes against their narrative, right? So yeah. it just seems very suspect that this incoming proposed lockdown theory that we're hearing, and you know what? It could be told. It could be a total psyop. We yeah. don't know, but I can tell you what I'm seeing out there is that nobody's going to comply, <laughs> and all you got to do is say no. We are not. We're just simply not doing that. Yeah, because we do outnumber them. We even we outnumber do. police yeah. departments. We outnumber. If you took every police department in the state of New Hampshire, and we've got some big departments, the people still far outnumber that. They're yeah. just not going to be able to make it happen. And no, as long as enough people stand up and say, listen, this is not going to happen, yeah. that I really don't see what they're going to be able to do. And again, they're not laws, right? They're not. They're not laws. So people shouldn't be complying with them anyway. Listen, we went along with your game last time. We saw the results. Those aren't results that we're looking to deal with now. Like a yeah. second time, especially in the Northeast, because it's 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 the end of August. Now we have two and a half months where we're going to have relatively decent weather. But you get mid-October into November, it starts cooling off. And we can even, I mean, we've had snow end of October. We can get snow in November. Heating oil is already starting to go up. People that uh, burn wood pellets for their heat. Are already seeing an increase in that, and even big companies like Tractor Supply, who is a, one of the biggest suppliers around here for pellets, Home Depot and Lowe's, same thing, are all telling people, get your pellets now because we do not know what the supply is going to be. Now, could that be a scare tactic? Well, yeah, because this year they want about forty to fifty dollars more per ton for your pellets than they did even last year, right? Oh wow. So, and I know at the end of last year, because I stocked up, so I was fine. I was actually letting my brother and my mother take some of mine. But I had a friend of mine that he could not get pellets. And he went to track the supply, and they actually said, well, listen, we didn't tell you this. <laughs> but buy the horse bedding pellets. Those will work. So yeah. he did that. He did say they burnt quicker, and they left a lot of ash, but... That's okay that you can deal with that. But I mean, you know, so now we're going into that time of year where people are starting to prepare up here in New England. We're, we're, we're already cutting wood. We're getting things ready for winter, right? Believe it or not, on an 80-degree day, this is, yeah. this is the kind of things that we're working on. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there, and I guess we'll just have to play it by ear and see what happens. But my recommendation to everybody is, like, if it happens, just don't comply. Simple as that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Just, yeah, just I, say, no, I'm, I'm not doing time. that. Not doing yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Something, something else you mentioned uh, in one of your posts that I found to be pretty interesting was how people were telling you to go back to your own country. Yeah. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Oh, yeah. I mean, and and the worst part is it was all um, mainly the people who go along with everything that the agenda wants them to. You know what I mean? So, like, you go into their profile and they're, like, pro every single, like, agenda that's on the market. Like, pro science, pro this, pro that. Meanwhile, they're too stupid to even decipher the science. And I've got a degree in science. And so it's like watching a bunch of morons tell me to go back to my country when I could get out a map with no labeling and they couldn't even point out... where they are let alone where i should go back into Mm -hmm. um but it does still make you feel and wonder if that is how some other canadians feel but they're just not you know strong enough to come out and say it because they don't want to seem racist um however i think those people are either dead now because of cancers myocarditis or they have some sort of side effects and i think they're like waking up to the fact that the government has lied to them um but i don't think they're strong enough to say it out loud and come forward but I know like behind the scenes, they won't be supporting the government in another lockdown. And so I wanted to gauge and see how many people are actually completely over and done with Canada um, just because of Justin Trudeau, because um, if he loses us, those of us who work hard with businesses here and all of that stuff, and he brings in um, immigrants from all over, it's going to take a while for those immigrants to assimilate, learn um, English, open up their own things and actually replace us on a modern monetary scale of what is being looked at as success for these corporate countries. So Justin Trudeau right now is just putting a Band-Aid on pretty much a dam that is flowing and it's flowing fast. And um, I guess because I know that they watch all of our social medias and kind of gauge us of what's going out there. And I guess I wanted the elites to know that um, the little Band-Aids that they're putting on by bringing in illegals completely unknown and unvetted um, won't actually fix the problem of the exodus that is happening out of these Western corporation countries and um, hopefully maybe kind of, I don't know, get them to think, but I don't think the elites think. I'm honestly thinking they're the dumb, dumbest mofos that we have on this planet. Either the ego's too high or the IQ's too low, but like they need a new screenwriter for all of their things because it's nothing that they're doing is sticking anymore, and it's so easy to fix to put everything back on track, but I don't think they can figure it out. And um, it's going to play out to be a very interesting next few years if they don't get their shit together. <laughs> Okay, so like in the United States, are you seeing a massive influx of new immigration uh, or, or, you know, migrants, you know, illegal immigration into Canada like we are in the United States? Because there definitely is a ge- an agenda there, right? There is. I, I think it's a replacement agenda, personally. I, I, that's what I feel is going on. So, so you're also seeing that. Now, are you seeing that in Alberta? Because Alberta is, is a province in Canada that... A lot of us Americans consider it just another red state. So, so, so what are you seeing? Well, um, Quebec had a border open all during the pandemic, and we took on anyone and any, anyone coming in from the United States that was illegally in the U.S., 
So right now, Ontario and Quebec, Vancouver, the provinces known as sanctuary cities, they're seeing a lot, a lot of influx of new immigrants. Um, and there's a housing crisis in Toronto right now where the immigrants are being left to sleep in tents um, on the streets as homeless people. Um, Alberta has seen a little bit of an influx, but a lot of people tend to stay out of Alberta and Saskatchewan as newcomers just because... Alberta and Saskatchewan are kind of like red states. We're actually known as the Texas of the North um, here in Canada. That's what they call Alberta as a little like Northern Texas. And to be honest, there's a petition going around Alberta right now. And um, if we should join the United States and quit Canada. You know, I can attest to that because I've spent a lot of time in Canada growing up. My dad took us on vacations to Canada every year, every summer. <laughs> And we would take, we would take, uh, spend, I think the most I ever spent in Canada was about a two and a half months. Uh, and we traveled cross country. And the one thing that I did notice about Alberta, I said, you know, and, and I had never been to Texas. Like, like even to this day, I've never been to Texas. However, it's totally like cowboy country up there. I mean, yeah. I mean, we went to the Calgary Stampede. We did all of that. And I'm like, oh, these people, this is like really cool up here. I really like it here. You know, so yeah. it's interesting that you say that, that they call it the Texas of Canada. You know, uh, I think I think a lot of Americans would welcome Alberta into the fray without any problem at all. Because, you know, anybody that I've ever met from Alberta is is almost like the people from, you know, New Hampshire. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Uh, one thing I'd like to say about the border with Quebec. Now, you were saying that Quebec had an open border allowing people that were illegal to be in the United States into Canada. But I can tell you this, northern New Hampshire, we have a border with Quebec. Yeah. A New Hampshire resident in the beginning, now that eased up as it went, but in the beginning, it was virtually impossible for a New Hampshire resident to get into Quebec. Unless you had proof that you were doing business there, or even perhaps worked there. So so it's interesting that they were okay with immigrants that were illegal in the United States to go into Canada, but not a legal resident of New Hampshire or United States to go into Canada. Now oh, now we oh, have yeah. seen we have seen an influx on the northern New Hampshire border of immigrants coming across the border. Uh, I want to say the last numbers that the state put out was like a nine percent increase. Which may not sound like a lot, but we have people sneaking across the border in northern New Hampshire. And I got to tell you something. You're going to be pretty hardy to pull that off because that is wilderness up there. Yep. I mean, that is big time wilderness up there. So it's just really interesting, uh, you know, the way that Canada is running it. Uh, we all know that Quebec runs a little bit different than the rest of the country does, uh, you know, as, as far as uh, Canadian politics go. I mean... Quebec is a uh, is a French what we call a French province. It's uh, predominantly French, and uh, like well, up to about midway up through the province, right? Is uh, you know from the middle of the province south is pretty predominantly French, and when you get into north, well, it turns back into English. Same thing goes with Western New Brunswick is almost the same idea, which is which is their eastern neighbor. Yeah, uh, because I think you know I really think that what's going on in Canada and Australia and New Zealand is kind of like the uh, the testing ground for what they're going to try to pull in the United States. Now, the big difference is, in the United States, we can have firearms. 
Like yeah. lots of firearms. Like like I want to say I'm I'm not absolutely sure on this, but I would say conservatively, there's probably two or three firearms in the United States for every single citizen. That's why I love the U.S. and Americans. You guys, I like after going and visiting like this spring, every single person that we met, because we traveled only like the Republican states, like I refuse to go to into, into any Democrat states. Um, every single person was like, yeah, they're not taking our guns away. Like we will stand together like if they come and take our guns away. And I told them, I'm like, don't ever let them take your guns away because you're going to be like Australia. Like in Canada, they're trying to take our guns away, but no one's giving them up. Like Justin Trudeau has tried like pretty much twice now and no one's giving up anything except for the idiots in BC, but they're from BC. So of course they're going to give up everything. Um, but the rest of Canada is pretty much holding strong with like firearms. Um, as for the other, um, I call them the British empire, um, countries, it's full of NPCs. Um, New Zealand, they're done. Australia, they're done. Like Canada, we're lucky that we're actually attached to the United States. Otherwise, our lockdowns would have been just as bad as Australia's. And ours were pretty bad because we have so many NPCs. Um, But the one thing that I have to say to Americans is do not let America fall. Because if America falls, the rest of us fall. Like you guys are pretty much our saviors. Um, And we were watching like during the trucker protest. If you guys were going to have a trucker protest, I was like, dude, this whole like thing is done with their narrative and COVID if you guys went in, went on in, but do not give up your firearms. That That is the only reason your government hasn't overreached yet. Well, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, I don't see that happening, not in the United States. I, no, I just don't, no I just don't think the powers that be are big enough, strong enough, or capable of taking away Americans' guns. I just, I just, it's impossible. I, I, I don't know how, I don't know how, you know, when they're trying all kinds of tricks too, they want to put excise taxes on uh, ammunition. They want to overtax the purchase of certain uh, firearms like uh, ARs, AKs, things like that. But, you know, like in the state of New Hampshire, like you, you can like walk probably, I don't know, I could probably walk a half a mile from here and get a firearm. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's some, there's some places that, they can go the next block over and get a firearm, like without going to a store. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, I mean, you can yeah, buy firearms no at. Yeah, you yeah. can sell firearms at a yard sale. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. So, I mean, I mean, bless the United States. I freaking love you guys. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> so New Hampshire, we don't even have concealed carry. I mean, you don't need a permit to to conceal carry. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I want to say Maine is Maine's pretty close to New Hampshire. Although yeah. Maine, along the coastline of Maine, it's very blue. You start getting in inward away from the coast, it turns totally red. And it's the same thing in New Hampshire. You know, you got the big towns. You've got the coast cities of Portsmouth, Summersworth, and Dover. Those are kind of blue. Uh, you have Nashua, which is just on the Massachusetts border. That's blue. Manchester's blue. Even the city of Concord, which is the capital, is blue. A lot yeah. of your cities are blue. Then you get down into the western area, like the Monadnock region, where the city of Keene is. It's a big college town. That's blue. But everywhere else is red. Yep. Which just goes to show that wherever there's a university system, that, that's going to be a blue area. Simple yeah, as that's, that. That's where the brainwashing yeah. starts. <laughs> oh, well, well the, brain, the brainwashing starts in kindergarten, in my opinion. So uh, we keep a pretty good eye on our school district because, you know, I have a 12 year old. Well, she's going to be 13 in a couple of weeks uh, in the school system. And she's a high honor student. So she's a pretty smart kid. But 
Uh, but I don't think these kids are that in tune to what's going on other than to know that when they go to school, they better do what the teacher tells them, right? And, that, and, that's, the, and that's the kind of scary part because when kids start telling the teacher, well, I'm not going to do that, well, then you end up in trouble. And that's exactly what I did uh, growing up. I, I got into a lot of trouble in middle school, a lot of trouble and all, all the way up until I graduated. Like they couldn't wait to get rid of me. But, but I did so well with my academics. They're like, well, obviously he isn't dumb. Yeah, he just is not going to follow the program, you know. Exactly, and yeah. uh, and that was all fine and good. I mean, I was I had just turned seventeen when I graduated high school, uh, be- yeah. because how it turned out, I want to say I was in first grade in nineteen sixty eight, like the nineteen sixty eight sixty nine school year. I was in first grade. We didn't have kindergarten when I was a kid here, uh, oh, wow. and my and my birthday was in December. So we because of how that how that landed. I had to start first grade a year early, and, th- and that's why and that's why I was able to get out of school at such a young age. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I just hope uh, it would would be nice to see some NPCs kind of convert and wake up and join the rest of us. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. Uh, all right, so another thing I wanted to get into is the whole let's burn this city down because it's slated for a fifteen minute city. But the residents aren't going along with the plan. So you know what? Let's burn it down so that we can, like a phoenix, like Oprah said, you're going to see a lot of phoenix risings. You know, that she probably shouldn't have said that because, <laughs> you know, nobody trusts Oprah. <laughs> but <laughs> but let's get into a little bit about, about the city. Uh, uh, again, can you pronounce the city for me? Oh, Kelowna. Kelowna. Let's get into that. Now, we understand that they're having some pretty good fires over there now, and Kelowna was slated for a 15-minute city program. Now, uh, before we got recording, you had mentioned that if you go on to Canada.org sites, you can actually find a majority of cities that are actually slated for 15-minute city infrastructure to to start happening, if not has already happened, right? But let's just single out a couple of the cities that are, like, like like Lahaina just burning to the ground right now, and Kelowna is is uh, is the one that I would like you to touch on a little bit because that's also in Alberta, uh, correct? No, Kelowna's in BC. It's in oh, southern. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Like um, I think south middle, almost almost middle of BC. Okay, I got it on the map. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, it's it just is. east of Vancouver. Well, I guess the location kind of gives that away. British Columbia tends to be a little bit uh, on the liberal side, how we would uh, describe it in the United States. So oh, they're tell, complete tell liberals. Us, uh, they're complete NPCs. So tell us a little something about what's going on and uh, going on there. So right now, Kelowna is burning, and it's burning pretty rough now. The forest fires are always um, in that area. Um, every year, I think, uh, Osoyoos, Kelowna, Kamloops, um, the Shushwaps, they always see um, really high fire numbers, and they used to blame smokers um, in early 2000s. Yeah, apparently smokers would hike up to a top of a mountain, you know, and then light up a cigarette and just the whole forest like they used to um do that and then they brought in a law that if you um 
threw anything out of your vehicle. It's like a $500 fine because they were basically saying it's all smokers. Um, and then people really stopped throwing things out because people were calling the cops on each other. And all of a sudden now we're seeing these forest fires again. Now what they did to Fort Mac in 2016 was they burnt the entire city down. And then when they rebuilt it, they rebuilt it with these 15 minute city technologies. Um, smart lights, smart, smart meters, um, smart cameras everywhere. Um, they also have tags and chips in their garbage bins now so that the city knows how much garbage you're throwing out. Um, and I think that's exactly what they will do to uh, all these other cities because about eight months ago, the whole 15-minute thing started here in Alberta with the land grabs. And Alberta really, really got into politics. And people started questioning their MLAs, their city councillors, and what's going on. And people wanted all of this technology to just be wiped out. Um, and I think the way they're going to implement 15-minute cities now is pretty much by scorching every single town um, if you don't want to go, go along with it. Now, the larger cities, they, they won't have any issues there just because larger cities hold more NPCs and everyone's way too busy to even realize what's going on in their own backyard. Um, but that's, and, those uh, are the te- if yeah. they, And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but they may even consider that to be a luxury or a convenience for them. Like, like you're talking uh, Quebec City, Montreal, Ottawa, you know, th- these big cities, Winnipeg, for instance, you know, the very large Canadian cities, they might say, oh, my God, this is fantastic. Oh, oh, they have because of the way they marketed 15 cities was to make it a 15 minute district that's walkable where you have everything that you need within that walkable district. Now, which sounds great, right? I mean, on paper, it sounds great. Like, oh, we'll be able to walk everywhere. We won't need vehicles. But what's this is what I don't understand is if they really want us to be healthier and they really wanted us to be proactive with the environment, why are they building so many security cameras and 15 minute districts why is there so much technology using up energy that we're trying to like decrease our consumption on on energy and if you look at some of the technology that they want to actually use and implement in these 15 minute cities some of them will say wearables now if you look at wearables such as like your eye watch or anything else these things can actually have a, a negative impact on your health why are we putting up so many 5g towers when we know that one it takes a lot more energy it's shittier service and also um you know it's using up more materials more energy all of this stuff and it's also not healthy for us but yet they're putting all of these things into these walkable friendly 15 minute cities and the fact that they can't take away our gas guzzling like vehicles and they want us to go electrical well that it's not that it's not possible for everyone to be plugged into pretty much the grid so now they're going to make it walkable so that you don't need a car so that you use public transportation and then that way they will pretty much like put the cattle and the herd of sheep all in their 15 minute cities because then it's easier to watch you it's easier to keep track of you you know especially if you're not allowed to move from district to district when they do their lockdowns climate lockdowns pandemics you know what i mean and i think they're trying to get us used to not being able to move around freely and to stick in the areas that we are used to so that they can control us easier um so yeah city people of course are going to go along with it i mean they're not awake as i said the npcs and the sheep all they care about is shitting eating going to work and impressing people that no one 
cares about. And that's their entire life story. So if people could wake up and ask themselves, why am I on this planet? Like, why was I born? Was I born to just work a nine to five, eat shit and procreate? Is that, is that your whole entire goal? Mm. Um, that's when you're shifting and thinking will kind of shift towards, uh, you know, what is the purpose of all of this? And then they will realize the powers at play that want to control the rest of us. Yeah, you know, are you seeing any oddities with the Kelowna fire? Are you seeing any uh, anybody talking about directed energy weapons uh, or arsonists or whatever? Or are they just blaming it on, you know, climate change? Because, you know, that's that's the big that's the big push right now is climate wow. change is causing these fires. Now, I looked at a map. I saw a post on TikTok where this guy had put up a map. It has showed all the fires all over the world. And if you believed every fire that was on this map, it would literally mean that the whole world is on fire. Exactly. So here in Alberta, um, we've had 600 fires so far. 500 of them were arson. The one in Kelowna, arson. Everyone that has homes there, I got an email from a lady that lives in Kelowna. Um, She doesn't want me talking about her name or anything like that. But this was supposed to be a controlled burn where the winds were going the opposite direction of the burn that they wanted it to go down. Um, And the cops are also sealing off certain areas and not allowing help to go into like the northern um, parts of Kelowna to give people help. And there's videos surfacing now on TikTok of pretty much the residents talking to cops and saying well so you guys are just going to leave us here to burn to death um so these are definitely arson in canada i don't know about dw's the ones in quebec um that started all at once at the same time in the middle of nowhere those are super suspect um i don't think those were arson that might have something to do with maybe other sort of weaponry but here in alberta 100 percent arson bc arson and they're trying to basically make arson look like climate change and none of us are buying it except for the npc idiots but they'll buy anything they'll eat dog shit if the government told them to you know what was interesting uh when the quebec fires were first starting and of course you know in new england here we were getting a lot of that smoke uh and i mean we we got a lot of smoke from the old the other alberta uh, fires also uh, because yeah. did, are you are you ever heard of the weather system that they call the Alberta Clipper? No, I've never heard okay. of that. Okay, so that's a weather system that we deal with in New England every winter. Really? Yes. So what it is is you got all these winds that come down in all this cold air being pulled down from the Arctic through Alberta. It goes across just above the Great Lakes. So yeah. then when it goes over the Great Lakes, it, it intensifies with the amount of snow that we're going to get because we have a thing in the Northeast, you know, New York in New England, that's yeah. called Lake Effect Snows. And you get in upstate New York, and I mean, no joke, they can get four or five feet per snowstorm. Now, yeah. by the time it gets to New Hampshire, it's pretty much petered out because New Hampshire, you can be to the coast in New Hampshire from... Like, from my house, I can be to the coast in probably 45 minutes. So, the, oh, wow. the max would be a two-hour drive to the coast from anywhere in New Hampshire and, and, more, li- and more like an hour's drive, right? But yeah. this phenomenon is called the Alberta Clipper. You should, you should check that out sometime. Interesting. And when that comes down, oh, my God, you're either going to get a ton of snow or it's going to be super, super cold. So those oh, wow. are the two worst systems you want to hear 
in the winter when you're living in New England is one, what we're famous for up here is called the nor'easter. Yeah. And it's basically a winter hurricane that comes in. It rolls up the coast. It gets out, gets out off to the coast of New England that it just sits out there and intensifies. And then it circles back and comes back and hits New England and we get hammered. Now, when they say we're getting a nor'easter, like that's going to be predominantly snow, right? Like, I mean, lots of snow, a foot to two feet or more, right? Oh, wow. But. That's the one thing that we we, we really okay. have to pay attention to is a nor'easter. The second one is the Alberta Clipper, because when the Alberta Clipper's coming in, you know it's going to bring super cold air. And you usually get Alberta Clippers uh, middle to end of January into February. Oh wow! Yeah. So uh, so you know I'm looking at I'm looking at some uh, some some images here, uh, and we all saw them. Now again. We don't know if these videos are are real or not. These satellite videos, you, of course, you got the whole camp that don't even believe in satellites. They're just on balloons. Uh, space yeah. space is fake and gay. Uh, this is this is all this is all made up, uh, and that's fine. Everybody is entitled to their opinion. However, the videos that I saw did show about four or five fires, all starting in northern Quebec, simultaneously. Yep. Now, either that was a bunch of people all working in concert to make that happen, or it was started with some form of directed energy weapon coming from who knows where. Because I just saw a video where they can actually put that on the front of an airplane. Like they can yeah. put this apparatus on the front of an airplane and just, and just, fly, around, just fly around and do this shit all day long. Uh, like, so, so, I mean, that was very suspect. Yeah, like the technology that they show us is like 50 to 60 years behind than what they have behind closed doors. So, um, and they do this primarily because when an invention happens, um, they want to see if they can use it for the military industrial complex. And then once they're kind of done with the technology and they move on, they kind of give us like the tail end of these inventions that we can use for everyday household um, items. So what people don't understand is that we have technology and so much stuff out there that is not shown or seen by the public that none of us know about, um, except for the selected few who work on these things and even those people don't really know the whole story because everyone's so compartmentalized and categorized in their work that you won't really know what the overall effect is until the very end and i know the fires in alberta um one of the fires was about four miles from our house we drove around and took pictures and i put that up on my tiktok about showing that it was done by arson um especially with the way it was done and and the locations it seemed to have hit every single conservative town every single town that pretty much does not want to go along with any of the narratives and it was during election and it moved almost north um all the way to every single oil town so you can tell that these are environmental terrorists like liberals who believe in the whole global agenda that want to push it forward by setting these fires um, but there are technologies out there that we don't really even know about or hear about that they can definitely start fires from anywhere. Like, yeah. you know, like it's super easy. I mean, all you really need is just a spark. You know, what I find interesting, of course, you've probably heard this in the news as well, is that this is the hottest summer on record. Now, now I know they literally <clears throat> say this every single year. 
I can tell you, as somebody that loves to spend as much time outside as possible, and when I'm outside, I want to be in my pool. Yeah. I want to be in my pool with a drink, listening to a podcast or listening to music. And I didn't get to do that as often as I would have liked to because it just simply wasn't hot. I mean, we had probably a two-week period. with Within them two weeks, we might have had two days here and there that maybe hit 90. Now, I can remember as a kid days like going a couple of weeks at a whack where it'd be in the 90s, right? Yeah. But now that I have my house all set up to hang out at home and party and have your friends come over, <laughs> we've got shitty weather. I mean, it's been raining. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful during the week, but Friday a storm rolls in and your weekend is trash. So yeah. I'm not seeing where this it's the hottest on record. Now, I, I got to say, just like COVID numbers, I think they're messing with the numbers here. Uh, oh, I, I, don't think, I don't think it's been hot at, at all. And, and you can't say it's been dry because the Northeast, it literally, I forget how many days this summer it's already rained, but I want to say it's close to 70 or 80 days this season that we have had rain of some form. It actually might even be closer to 90. I mean, it freaking rains all the time. And it's like now... It's like it's raining outside. Now, now my dogs, who you know, I have Staffordshire Terriers, pit bulls. Yeah. They are yeah. notorious for not liking the rain. Yeah. Even, even they're like, oh, screw this. I got to go to the bathroom. I'm going out. I don't care if it's raining or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even, even they're getting sick of it, you know? Oh, but, I totally uh, understand. Because uh, usually Alberta is super dry in the summers. Like we don't, if we do get a heat wave, it gets to like 30, 35, but it's very dry. It has been so wet and humid up here because of the amount of rain that I've got mushrooms growing all over, like everywhere. Like I will go and mow the grass. All of a sudden there's like a bunch of mushrooms and you know, you need humidity um, in order for mushrooms to grow. And I've never seen it like this. And today, and I work outside and I'm still pasty. So this is how bad we have had of a summer is I am still like the same pasty white Canadian from the winter this summer. Cause I usually try and just tan as much as I can get as much as vitamin D in before we hit the minus forties and winter, which comes like around Halloween here. Like we get it pretty early because we're so far up north um i'm actually barely barely tan barely burnt i barely got anything and i work outside like constantly so that's how like much our weather has declined this year and somehow they're saying that it's the warmest like summer in record for alberta it's like dude no it's not shut up (laughs) you know what i mean and then there's certain people who are like in southern um alberta or calgary who did really have a dry spring but they're also getting kind of mixed weather now um and stuff like that but i mean npcs they'll believe anything like you could tell them it's raining outside when it's sunny and they'll believe it's raining i don't know how i don't know how people can be that delusional but I mean, it's yeah, it's it's honestly to this point where I don't even know. I swear the government could tell them to eat dog shit and they would. That's literally where I think the NPCs are at. I mean, there's sheep who wouldn't do it, but NPCs 100 percent they would do it. So, yeah, you know, we have seven months of really <clears throat> bad weather here. Yeah. You know, you know, you start actually it's pretty nice, believe it or not. It's, it's changed. I will say, you know, there is a climate change going on. Uh, I just don't think it's caused by what they're blaming it on. But uh, because I know that weather is cyclical, you know, climate is cyclical. I can remember riding my motorcycle with my buddies on a Christmas day, 
you know, 30 something years ago. Like, and yeah. that was a big deal. We're like, oh, let's meet up at the local Chinese restaurant. We'll go have a drink because the Chinese restaurants are all open on Christmas Day, right? Uh, like, yeah. like that was 30 or 35 years ago. Well, we didn't get snow like all, all season, right? Yeah. This last winter, we didn't have any snow until uh, Valentine's Day. And then after Ooh, Valentine's wow. Day, we got hammered. From Valentine's Day up into mid-April, we had snow every single week, right? But, I mean, oh, we have wow. you have seven months. It starts getting cold in October. Yeah, not really much until, like, around Halloween. And it's been some years that Halloween has actually been pretty nice. And then you got November, December, January, February, March, and mostly into April. So you got seven months where it's crap. And then, yeah. and then April, May, that, that's borderline. I can remember Memorial Day weekends that was so freaking hot. Like, and then I remember Memorial Day when we were up the lake, we were going to go boating for Memorial Day weekend because that's a big holiday in the United States, yeah. which is the last weekend of, uh, of May. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I can remember having two inches of ice on our deck. Oh, wow. So we actually had to wait for the sun to come up, melt all the ice, get warm enough to where we could all jump in the boat and go out on the lake. You know? Oh, wow. I mean, so, so it's, it's way, if anything, if anything, it's getting cooler. Right? It in, is. in my yeah. opinion. I mean, because I wait, like, I am okay with 85, 95 degree weather. I have zero problem with it. You know, <laughs> and, and, and I find that the older I get, the more I'm able to tolerate it. Well, you know, the way my house is set up, I can tolerate it real easy now. But it's like, yeah. you know, I was talking to my wife the other day, and, and she and she's a sun worshiper also. She's in the sun 24-7, and she tans up really nice. And, and it's like, I'm like, I've been in the pool 10 times this season. Yeah. When I should have been in the pool 10 times in two weeks. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just really aggravating that they push this. I'm actually building a redneck pool heater. Because I told I told her I said there's no way I'm giving up this pool in September. It's not happening. Yeah. Because because with us like good party weather that's right up until Columbus Day. You yeah. know Columbus Day here is mid October. It's usually around October 14th, October 15th. You can be. I mean I can remember being out on the lake on the boat on Columbus Day weekend. You know. Oh wow. So so, so I it was choppy and windy. Not going to lie, but but nonetheless we were out there. But I'm just yeah. saying, if anything, it's it's not getting warmer; it's getting cooler, and and I, and I would like to see how they plan on writing that off, Be, because it, the, I mean they're just telling us twenty four seven. Oh, it's the hottest it's been, hottest it's been. Again, Joseph Goebbels' playbook: tell a lie enough times, it becomes truth, and if you hear it enough times, you'll even believe it yourself, right? Exactly. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the fires up in Yellowknife. What do you know about that? Now, was Yellowknife slated for a 15-minute city, or is this a completely different setup? No, they're, they're all 15-minute cities. So every single city almost um, in Canada is slated for a 15-minute city, and Yellowknife was one of them. Um, I believe they had a huge flood in Hay River. I can't remember what year that was, but I remember, um, like, there's a lot of Yukon plates. Not Yukon plates. Um uh, sorry, Northwest Territory plates um, down here because Hay River is probably like a 10-hour drive from me um, and it's the only road out. And so now we're seeing a lot of um, uh, of people from Yellowknife pretty much coming down here and waiting for the fires to end as well. And yes, Yellowknife is also slated to be a 15-minute city. 
Okay, I'm blowing Yellowknife up on the map here. That is on a huge lake, huh? What, it is, yeah. Is that called the Slave Lake? I believe it's the Greater Slave Lake. Yeah, yeah, because they got Graves, Great Slave Lake. Yeah, Great Slave Lake. And yes. what's interesting about Yellowknife is, is there's only one road in and one road out of that. So yeah. I mean, if they're evacuating that, I don't, I don't know what you know what the population is in Yellowknife, but uh, that's uh, that's actually a pretty good sized town, isn't it? It is. Um, and during the winter, they have something called the ice road, and you can actually cross the Great Lake through the ice road. Um, but in the summer, it's pretty much one road in and one road out. I mean, you can't go. Um, we do have a lot of what we call back roads. Um, so they're not paved. We have a lot of them and you can go from Northern BC to Yellowknife with them, but you need to know, like you need to have a road radio. You need to have a pickup truck, probably a slip tank for extra fuel because there's nothing on those roads. And so I've worked in the oil field and I've driven those roads up there and, um, there are more roads, but the main one, the paved ones, there's only one in and one out. Yeah. So what are you hearing about the causes of the Yellowknife fire? Um, so they're basically saying that it was natural, like it's a natural wildfire, but I just find it really odd that all these natural wildfires are happening all at once. So they can't get covered all at once and investigated all at once. And they're also all close to 15 minute cities of people that are being evacuated. And I mean, they've been doing that in Alberta here the whole time. And what is happening is people are coming back to their homes being, um, ransacked by authorities and all of their guns taken away. So they did it in Fort Mac. They did it in high level, I believe. And there was a lot of talk that when we had our fires here in Alberta, that people were pretty much getting their homes ransacked and all of their weaponry taken away. And the only people that are able to do that are military, police officers, and the government. So I just find it really odd that all of these fires are happening pretty much around 15-minute cities. And I think they're going for a smaller, like, population in town because I think they did a dry run in Fort McMurray in 2016 and realized they could get away with it. You know, Tiana, what is, how do you pronounce that province that's uh, just east of the Northwest Territories and north of Manitoba? Uh, Saskatchewan? No, is it called Nunavut? Oh, none of it? Yeah. None of it. Okay. Uh, They're slated for a 15-minute city. (laughs) Okay, you know, my question is, is that mostly indigenous people that live there? Because this is on on Hudson Bay, and it's very close to the Arctic Circle, actually, isn't it? It is. Um, So none of it is actually slated to be a 15-minute city, and there's actually no road access in or out. You have to fly in or out. And they want to have complete control. And it is um, all uh, Aboriginal Canadians. Um, Well, not all. There could be... I'm pretty sure um, other people there, but it's mostly, it's it's an Aboriginal Canadian town and um, they're slated to be a 15 minute city. And they they have a lot of restrictions up there with what they can bring in and what they can't bring um, in. Um, there was a news story, I think, of police officers going through people's mails to see if they're not bringing in anything illegal into none of it. And everybody kind of got up in arms because it's illegal to go into somebody else's mail. And the cops basically said that they have to patrol what comes in and out because so many, um, they're stating that there's illegal alcohol up there, but I, I don't I don't really know if that's the case or not, or if they're just using that as an excuse to go into people's mails and packages. You know, I don't see a single road on this map and none of it. 
there's no paved roads. It's all pretty much, you can't have anything paved. It's really hard in those harsher climates. That's why we have so many back roads that aren't paved up here um, because our roads deteriorate. It gets down to minus 55 degrees sure. Celsius in the winter with the, and then it can get up to plus 35 in the summer. So our range of yeah. temperature is so massive that the roads deteriorate really quickly. And we've got potholes size like like Mini Cooper size potholes. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have our road problems here in New England, especially in New Hampshire as well, because we have... Really hot temperature. Well, on a good year, we have really good hot, you know, hot temperatures in the summer, and then in the winter time, it can get down to ten or fifteen below. I mean, for us to get any colder than ten, fifteen, twenty below, that's odd. That's really oh, odd. Really? And, and, wow. and if we and if we do it, might be you know three times over the course of the winter. It's really yeah. not. It's really not a thing here. Uh, again, in the old days when I was younger, I remember it being a lot colder as well. So, uh, yeah, so that's really interesting, this none of it. I'm going to look into that. But uh, what's interesting about Yellowknife is there's one road in, one road out, right? Same road, obviously. Big, huge, massive lake there. I mean, this lake. Oh, it's huge. This lake is uh, as big as, as, big as uh, one of the Great Lakes in the United States, like, like easily. And, and and this is slated to become a fifteen minute city. Yeah. So so you know I gotta I gotta guess that you know the population of Yellowknife has got to be a fair amount of indigenous people, and and, and plain old just rednecks, right? How how yeah. how are these people? Are these people fighting the fact that Canada wants to turn this into a fifteen minute city? And is is this where the problem lies? I don't think they know. To be honest, every single um, place I've gone to speak and educate people on 15-minute cities had no idea that it was coming. They have no idea that their mayors are part of it. Their mayors didn't know they were part of it. It has been done so in secret with so many different groups coming at these small towns in different angles that no one can kind of filter out who the good guy is and who the bad guy is. Um, and the 15-minute city talk, it, people have only woken up to it this year. Um, so I don't think a lot of people in Yellowknife know. And when you create um, chaos or you create a situation where you're about to lose your home, um, the residents really don't care about how it gets rebuilt as long as they can get their stuff and lives back as quickly as possible. And that's what they're using in order to push these 15-minute um, city agendas into people's lives because they know that they're too preoccupied with, like, insurance companies, you know, all of that stuff, getting their stuff back, trying to rebuild that no really will care how a town gets rebuilt as long as it gets rebuilt and they can get their lives back and i think they're using that as a door to opportunity to push these 15 minute cities well but i don't think a lot of people are aware of them yeah well like what everybody used to say can't you just do what they ask so we can get back to normal yeah, I remember that. It's yeah. like there is no normal if we keep doing what they're asking of us. <laughs> well, well, I think normal that we knew five years ago that that's gone. Oh, uh, completely. I, I don't, yeah. I don't ever see that coming back. You know, I was just on the map again, and I was looking for Fort McMurray because I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Is that in Alberta or is that in British Columbia? Uh, it's in Alberta. It's kind of in the Buffalo um, area, Buffalo region. Okay, so, I got it. I got it. Yeah. Okay. So what's interesting about Fort McMurray, just like Yellowknife, and none of it, there's, it's out, literally out in the middle, of, there's nothing else out there. Yeah. It's just, it's just this little city, 
uh, and they call it Fort McMurray. Was that an old fort during uh, colonial days, or did they actually have a military installation there? There. So I'm not sure about the history of Fort McMurray. I'm pretty sure there was um, a station for trade, like fur trade. But right now, Fort McMurray is actually our number one oil sands. All of our oil and gas production comes up there. Most of the workers in Fort McMurray all work for oil and gas. Um, and there's a lot of camps up there as well that belong to large Canadian corporations of where people pretty much live and work out of. And they decided to burn down the entire Fort McMurray area. Everybody had to evacuate. And I remember in 2016, like a bunch of us got our trucks together, slip tanks, and pretty much went up and down the road for people who were stranded and that didn't have diesel or fuel um, to kind of make it back to Edmonton for evacuation. And it's always these towns with one road in and one road out. You know, it's actually a pretty good-sized town, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's actually uh, quite bigger um, and much more developed than um, some of like the other towns that are that secluded in Canada because it's pretty far north. And that highway from Fort McMurray to, I don't know which town it is, but it's called the Highway of Death because it's one road in, one road out, and when it gets snowing up there, it's insane. And we have a lot of like tankers and big semis that go up and down just because of the oil and gas, and it's the main road, so... Is that Highway 63 you're talking about? Yeah, I think it's Highway 63. Uh, and they call the last it time the, I was in Fort McMurray was like years ago. I can't even remember what the they, highway was. They call it the Saktawawa Trail. Does that sound right? Yeah. Okay. That's the one, yeah. Now, now, I'm zooming in on Fort McMurray. There is a couple of sections where they got huge subdivisions there. I mean, yeah. lots and lots and lots of houses. And like you say, people that work in the oil industry, they have to have a place to stay, right? Uh, because yeah. that was part of the problems in the Balkans in the United States was there was no place for anybody to stay. So everybody was investing in these big uh, uh, campers, like, uh, like fifth wheel campers that were made for the winter. Like yeah. uh, like the Montana brand. I don't know if you've ever seen those. That's a big one. And, have, uh, yeah. and they were just setting up, setting up camp in these makeshift uh, campgrounds. And this is where they lived while they worked the oil fields. Now, is that similar to where you work when you're working in the oil fields? Um, so when I work in the oil fields, I actually, ooh, my face kind of went a little weird there. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with my camera, but yeah, I, did that, I live did all that, in Midland. Did that last time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I look like I got a little hat going. But um, when I when I work in the oil field, I actually live in um, portable campers. So it's kind of like a little town that's just pretty much one drilling rig, and everybody lives on site. Um, everybody pretty much lives on site until, like, that area is drilled. So it's about 25 of us that live in like a little rig camp on site right where the drilling rig is. Yeah, you know, Alberta is very, very remote. Now, I remember we went as far north as Edmonton when I was in Alberta. Uh, uh, and, and, I, and I'm trying to remember why we went to Edmonton because we did end up going to Banff National Park. I think what we did was we did a loop. I, I think oh. we went to the Calgary Stampede. We continued west. We went into Banff. Uh, we went to Glacier National Park. I remember that. Uh, I remember going to the top of Mount Jasper on the tramway. Yeah. And, then, and then I think what we did, we just continued north, and that loops back around to Edmonton. So I, I, that kind of uh, answers 
my question as to why we were in Edmonton. Uh, and not only that, I'm looking at the highway here that goes down in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and I can remember going through Sask- Saskatoon and Regina. So, uh, so that was the big loop that we did. Uh, we went through Regina. We went over to Calgary, crossed into Banff, Glacier, up to Jasper, back to Edmonton, down through Saskatoon, into Regina, and back across the Trans-Canadian Highway, uh, which, which you know brings you to Winnipeg, and then it brings you uh, above the Great Lakes, Sault Ste. Marie. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I have. I've actually been across Canada on that highway from coast to coast. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. You know, I understood that up in Canada because, you know, I'm a big four-wheeler off-road guy. And, yeah. uh, and I'm actually... I bought all the stuff for to bend tube and stuff like that, and I kind of want to take my razor and I want to equip it to where I can put uh, extra cargo on it. And we're going to do this uh, these camping trips, man. Just the guys, the girls, the wives want nothing to do with it. <laughs> so, so you know, they'll go riding with us. You know, they'll go for the long weekend and stuff. But us guys are like, oh no, we're going to go camping. We're going to rough it. We're going to go out in the woods. We're going to campfire. We're going to cook yeah. food. We're going to you know take baths in the rivers. We're going to do all that. Uh, and I used to do that when I traveled cross country on my motorcycle. So, uh, but I understood that they were making some form of off-roading road that's supposed to kind of parallel the Trans-Canadian Highway for people on mountain bikes, dirt bikes, side by side. Do you know anything about that? Oh, that was actually, it was a walk path. So it was um, for just bicycles. So no motorcycles or ATVs or anything like that. But they did make a bike trail. And I think they're almost done. I stopped looking into that almost in 2018. Because this this started in like 2012. They basically made a parallel for a bike trail or a walk trail for people who want to bike or walk from one side of Canada to the other. Um, And I don't remember how far they made it. But it should be done by now but i don't know if razors and things like that would would be allowed on the trail because i know that they're trying to ban all of us from going out into the bush with our side by side sides because they're saying that it causes forest fires well no that's what spark arrestors on your exhaust are for you know, know. you know and they, honestly, you they test for that this to people <laughs> they actually when you like the state of new hampshire the northern part of new hampshire is all based around off-roading culture. So so you're allowed to drive on the roads as long as you're properly registered with off-road. doesn't have to be registered to be on the road. But a lot of the cities up north here, the big towns, you can drive on the roads. All the the trails interconnect. There's a trail that actually goes from New Hampshire down through Vermont. It actually goes up New Hampshire down the Canadian border. You cross by the Canadian border into Vermont... And then yeah. you go down through Vermont and check this out. The ATV laws are different in Vermont, but if you're from New Hampshire and you have a New Hampshire ATV registration, Vermont laws are trumped by New Hampshire laws. No way. Yeah, yeah. so you spend about, I want to say it's about, uh, it's not much, probably eight or ten miles into Vermont, and then it loops back around, comes back into New Hampshire. So New Hampshire is all about the off-roading up north because they had to figure out a way to bring back the economy up north. because oh. And I apologize for the noise, uh, Tiana, and the listeners. The haunted garage is very busy today. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, I got one of my guys down there. He's wailing the piss out of something with an air hammer. And, and, I, and, I, know, and I know it's giving him a hard time, but he's very patient. He'll get it. 
But uh, but the thing is, in northern New Hampshire, the economy worked around the paper industry. And when the paper industry, oh, wow. uh, again, went offshore, and all these things were shipped off to China, well, then these towns basically started to die. Now... Now, I'm not talking about the towns that have ski slopes because skiing and snowboarding is huge in New Hampshire. But that's only in selected areas where there's lots of money. Now, when you get into what we call the paper towns like Berlin, Gorham, uh, even even Pittsburgh. Oh, Pittsburgh is not really a paper town, but it, it's up there where they grew all the trees that they cut down for the for the pulp, right? And then they had all the paper mills. These towns were thumping at one time. I mean, there's oh, great wow. big, beautiful uh, Victorian mansions in these cities that are all in disrepair now because nobody can afford the upkeep on them. But what they did was they did get smart, and they said, you know what? Let's turn this state park into a state park where people can ride their ATVs. So we have oh, wow. a state park here. It's called Jericho State Park, and it's set up for ATVing. And it's set up really nice. There's a lot of trails, but I mean... We've done it so many times. I mean, I just hit the trails that I like, and they've got a couple of black diamond trails. But it's but it's also known to be super super dusty in the summertime. But yeah. if you go into Jericho State Park, there's lots of trails that go off of that, and you can go to other parts of northern New Hampshire, and it's really enjoyable. And that was a way that they fixed the economy was letting the side by sides and the quads come in, and now all of a sudden restaurants are popping up. Stores are popping up, gas stations are wow. popping up because they had to have the infrastructure to support the literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people that go up there on the weekend to go off-roading. So, oh, wow. you know, I, I think other states and other countries, oh, Canada for one, like especially in Alberta, they would make a ton of money if they allowed side-by-siders to come in and charge them a fee to be there. Oh, well, the worst part is Justin Trudeau has screwed up so bad with this whole pandemic thing that people are saying they're scared to come to Canada. And I haven't seen an uptick in um, tourism here in Canada. Usually now Jasper is full. So if you drive down Highway 40 from Grand Prairie to Grand Cash, usually it's all RVs and they're driving slow and it used to drive all of us insane now barely anything like it's only canadians traveling within canada um the minute the borders opened up like with the no vaccine thing my husband and i were like down in the states that's how sick and tired we were um there's a lot of things that canada can do to actually bring in tourism and to bring in a healthy economy but they don't want to do that um what they're doing right now is actually shutting off all of our um sites where we can go off-roading because they're saying that the nature needs to be um, brought back to normal. So what some idiots are doing is they're putting wires across like um, trails to pretty much decapitate riders. So now people aren't feeling safe in these four by four um, areas that are really well known. And um, those of us who are local and we kind of know our trails around like um, here, these trails aren't on any maps like they're they're not advertised out there they're pretty much made by us ridden by us and we try and keep them secret so the government can't really come in and start screwing around like they have in the southern area of alberta what they're trying to do in canada is pretty much abolish everything and just have us stuck in our certain little areas to not move around in order to get a registration here um just to ride it like 
on trails, we're not allowed to ride it in town or on any highways or on any any roads, um, even if it is registered. That's how messed up it is here with the laws. Like, it feels like we're living in North Korea, honestly. You know, I find that very odd because, I mean, here, I mean, I can get a special license plate to drive my razor on the road here. Oh, I know. Yeah, when we went down, we went to Deadwood and everyone was coming into Deadwood, um, North Dakota on their side by sides. And my husband was like, you guys need any licenses? He was like super excited. He's like, no, we just ride them to save on fuel um, so we don't have to come in like with our vehicles from our homes into town to buy stuff. And I mean, uh, you guys have no idea. You, you're probably 20 years behind Canada when it comes to losing your freedoms. And I hope that Americans wake up before you become the next Canadian. Canada because it's scary like we can't even freely talk up here we can't really have a conversation with anyone everyone's too scared to say anything there's people literally voting for Trudeau because they're scared if they don't that the government will come after them you know I was Canada is I, 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 I was very happy to see that you had made it to the United States Oh, uh, I was so stoked. I, yeah. I missed the States because I haven't been down in like three years since they closed us off. And I'm not I'm not getting a, like anything put up my nose. I'm not getting a shot. So I was like, OK, I'll just wait it out. And um, honestly, loved it. Like, I didn't want to come home. <laughs> I think I might have messaged you when I saw you were down here. And I'm like, you're here now. Stay. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I wanted to. Like, yeah. if I could, if it wasn't illegal for us to stay, I totally would have. But we have, like, a house, farm, animals, and everything up here. But hopefully, like, I don't know, maybe if uh, if Canada keeps going down the way it is, 100%, I'm going to try and apply to the States because uh, it's getting scary up here. Like, you, you don't even feel like doing anything. You don't feel like getting land because you know the government's just going to take it away. You don't really feel like having any hope because the government's just going to take it away. So you can't really plan for a future plan for anything up here because you know you just feel like you're in an open air prison and most of the people don't see it and they don't want to see it so you can't really discuss anything or have any positive discussions with people because they're so out to lunch or they're so scared to say anything um but i don't know if their lockdowns will go as planned here um and if they keep pushing things the way they are i don't know what's going to happen in canada but i'm scared to see the outcome to be honest yeah, you know, when you said you were in Deadwood, uh, Deadwood's actually in South Dakota. And and, oh, South Dakota, yeah. and and what's really cool is South Dakota was the state that they had zero lockdowns. Oh, really? It, it, was, it was, yeah, it was like, uh, that's the Governor Christine Nome, I believe, in South Dakota. And, yeah. uh, and And she's the one that's like, no, we're not doing, like, any of that. Nice. And, and of course, you know, a lot of people that live the biker lifestyle like I used to, uh, South Dakota, we, we all go to South Dakota. Because that's yeah. where the that's where the Sturgis rally is, right? So, yeah. uh, so when I was in the last time I was in South Dakota, I was like, "Man, it's really nice out here. I really like it. The weather's beautiful. It's not humid because the humidity is really bad in New England." And it's like, "Oh my god!" Oh. But you had to go fifty miles in one direction to find a diner to get something to eat, right? If you were <laughs> if you, if you didn't want to go into Sturgis because Sturgis was just total mayhem, right? But yeah. but Deadwood was a super fun town. Right? It is. Yeah. I love Deadwood. Yeah, you have Deadwood, then you got the sister city called Deadwood, and they call it Lead, but we like to call it Deadwood and Lead, uh, which oh. is the town right next door. Those were old mining towns, and that's where Wild Bill Hickok uh, got shot in the number 10 saloon. 
And I, yeah, and we, I, we, and we I, had lunch there and we saw the whole performance and it was like the best thing ever. I learned so much and like yeah. met so many great people like from all around like the United States. Like people were coming in from all over all the corners in the restaurant and we met a great couple who bought us drinks because they're like, guys are Canadian, you know, woohoo, go trucker protest. Like that town yeah. was so pro-Trump and like everybody was oh, so yeah. friendly, honestly. Oh, and another thing, Americans are way friendlier than Canadians. I don't care what anyone says. Americans are the most hospitable, welcoming, like, everywhere we went. Honestly, we got, like, the best treatment from everybody that we met, complete strangers. And um, I just think uh, the United States gets a lot of flack for nothing um, because Americans are super helpful. Like, they're willing to help you. They're telling you where to go and what to see and what to avoid and, like, super open about everything. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, like, you know, Americans should really keep each other close and as neighbors and as like brothers and sisters and not let what is happening in Canada happen in the United States. Yeah, we need to work on that more. You know, there's a lot of sections in the United States. Of course, they say New England is not very welcoming. Uh, I, I disagree. I'm a very welcoming person. I've been in New England ever since I was a little kid. My family heritage is being in New England. But uh, but yeah, I think Americans can be uh, pretty friendly people. You know, obviously there's there's bad apples everywhere you go. You oh, know, yeah. it, it is yeah. just like you know when I go to Canada, everybody was nice except for at Quebec because the French Canadians, <laughs> the French Canadians, they don't like Americans. But but they when like they us. when they come to the United States, yeah, they expect everybody to be nice to them. Oh, they're, they're just uh, French. So yeah. um, Alberta and Quebec have hated each other since day one, um, except the only time we didn't hate each other was during the trucker protest. Yeah. So if Justin Trudeau actually managed to do anything, was turn Quebec and Alberta into friends and, and become anti-Trudeau. But we do still blame them for Trudeau pretty much um, becoming prime minister on the Quebec voters. And in Alberta, we call them the armpit of Canada. Um, and they call us like the losers of Canada. So it's it's definitely i can quebecers say they have a bit of a ego ego issue let's just say that like they think they're the be all and end all i was just gonna say i'm gonna say the french canadians which we call the quebecois they are they are very elitist in their attitudes they are big time big time Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah uh but anyways so so listen let's uh before we close this out real quick what's your thoughts on the lahaina fires because i'm sure you've looked into it I have. I actually, my video went super viral. I almost got to a million um, views on that one. Yeah, and then it got taken off every single platform. It's still on my Instagram and uh, Facebook, but it's hidden. And um, I pretty much said that they were set on fire on purpose because remember when we talked last time, I had the Epstein um, video go super viral, and most of the people on the Epstein list live in Hawaii. And uh, let's just say that they would like to have their own little paradise without the rest of us peasants getting in their way. So I definitely think Lahaina was, um, I don't know, I should say it was on purpose. I'm not going to say that that was natural because hurricanes usually are, you know, attended with rain and rainy weather. I've been in Hawaii. I've heard what the locals have said, but that was 13 years ago almost. But I don't think anything has changed much in the sense of these large developers wanting to pretty much push out regular people so that they can keep building and making money um, in areas that they want. So, yeah, I, 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 uh, I got to say what happened to Lahaina was what I like to call an unnatural disaster. Um, oh, yeah, because because 
They had no problem saying the governor come out and he said, "Oh, listen, no, we've already secured the funds. We're gonna we're gonna acquire this property." That was their game plan in the beginning, right? And uh, and, and we can talk more about it, but uh, go listen to my uh, Maui fires episode I did last week. I actually talked to uh, uh, a friend of mine in New Hampshire uh, that goes by the name of the AR mechanic because he used to build custom AR uh, rifles. And uh, yeah. super, super logical guy. His name is Dave. When you find him on Instagram, he actually says his name is Mark. That's his real name. His name is Mark David. But oh, but, okay. but we've always called him Dave. But anyways, uh, you should go follow him uh, because he's, he is familiar with you. Uh, but oh, wow. I had him on for the first hour or so. And then one of my listeners who lives on the big island of Hawaii, I actually got him on the phone and we did about another hour with him. Super, super oh, wow. interesting information in that episode. Obviously, we're going to follow up this week on Wicked Planet. Uh, we're going to be discussing the book, the Fire and Fury book that came out that is now no longer available. So I, uh, I did jump on it and I got a copy. I sacrificed $17 of my money because I wanted to see what this book was about because it came out within two days of the fires. Very yep. suspect. So, Tiana, the truth seeker, thank you so much for joining me on the Wicked Planet. You know, you know, we love you up there. Oh, <laughs> we honestly, we love you guys. And if, uh, if you want to accept Alberta into the United States, we're so game. Um, you'll have a lot of new Trump supporters um, and voters. And thank you for having me on your podcast again. Love being on your podcast. And uh, I'll, I'll try and start going through all of my messages and stuff like that so that we can keep in touch more and hopefully do this again. Yeah, you know, you're, you're our girl in Alberta. Uh, like like in our little podcasting uh, little little gang that we have, and all I can tell you is, if we ever got wind of anybody that would thought they were even going to begin to mess with you, when your husband got done with them, we would help him out and finish him off. Like like we would make that trip. So, Thank you so much. Honestly, I really appreciate that. Yeah. I love you guys. Like, hopefully we'll be in the United States soon so we can come and do a podcast in person. Yeah, you know we we have to do that. Oh, 100%. Like, like we have to do that. Like a lot yeah. of podcasts have had been having meetups lately. We're talking about having one for Wicked Planet at my house. It's just a, it's just a the hassle of trying to coordinate with everybody that's in New England because everybody's got their own little schedules. But hopefully, we're going to make that happen. I wanted to do it when it was warmer weather so we could have a pool party. But <laughs> but but that's okay. We can still cook out, have some drinks, camp out, have a fire, and have a good time. So uh, so, anyways, Tiana, thank you so much. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a wonderful day, and I will go listen to your podcast right now. Yeah, check it out. Will do for sure. All right, we'll talk to you real soon. Okay, sounds good. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.